Oh my goodness, we're so glad that you're with us today. We had planned on obviously everybody being in the room with us today, and then um, obviously the, the weather started uh, changing a bit, and we started hearing about uh, what we could potentially face, and so we made a decision uh, to go online only. And I got to tell you, the northern in me was fighting this with everything I had to, um, to put a service online for what is called a wintry mix. But the pastor inside of me said, we need to watch out for people. And um, also that uh, the Paulding County in me said, these roads are not made for ice. So we're glad that you're at home, and I hope that you're safe and that you're having a good morning, and I hope that this service is speaking to you already. Let's take a moment, pray together, and we're going to jump into Hebrews 10. Father, we thank you for all that's already taken place, um, for the worship through song. I thank you for the time of giving, the time of reading scripture. Um, thank you, Lord, for just the fact that, that in our homes, in our living rooms, wherever we're watching this, Lord, you're with us because you live inside of us. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And I pray, Lord, as we open up your word right now and we hear from your heart to ours, Lord, that you would speak to us in a powerful way. Stir up the Holy Spirit inside of us, Lord. And whatever it is that you're calling us to do, may we do it with full confidence of knowing that you're walking with us and you'll meet us each step. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we started a series, uh, as Dakota mentioned a moment ago, uh, called Draw Near, focusing on one verse out of the book of James, James chapter 4, verse 8. And I want to read that again. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, when you hear a verse like that, I mean, it sounds like maybe that the God of heaven is waiting on us to take a first step towards him. Like he's not moving until we move or he's staying away from us until we start showing a little bit of initiative. Well, I want to just kind of set that, set something straight about all of that. Um, God not only sent out the invitation to draw near but he actually took the first step and then he removed every obstacle possible so that we could draw near. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by this. And you're going to have to lean in with me a little bit and really pay attention. Back in the Old Testament, approaching God was very different from how we approach God today. In those days, God chose to reside in a very specific location in the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. You could not just go waltzing into God's presence in the most holy place. Only the high priest could go into the tabernacle, into God's presence. The priest would have to go through a curtain where he would enter into the Holy of Holies and, and he would walk into the actual presence of God. And he was only allowed access into that presence once a year. It's called the, the Day of Atonement. Today it's called Yom Kippur. And on that day before the priest ever entered the Holy of Holies... He would bathe and he would put on a special garment. He would then offer a sacrifice of a bull for a sin offering for himself and his family. Then he would take that bull's blood and he would sprinkle it onto the Ark of the Covenant. Then the priest would bring in two goats. One goat was sacrificed for the sins of the entire nation of Israel. And then its blood would be sprinkled all over the Ark of the Covenant. And then the priest would lay hands on a second goat called a scapegoat, symbolically placing all of the sins of the people of Israel on it. And then that goat would be taken outside and released into the wilderness, 
meaning that the people's sins were taken away and forgiven for another year. But walking into the Holy of Holies was a daunting assignment. The high priest would approach God in worship with with faith and fear. Before the priest would ever enter into the Holy of Holies, he would actually put a rope around his ankle with a bell attached to it. And if the priest, the priest approached God's presence in an impure state or, or um, he was not properly cleansed, he would die immediately. And if he did die, the people then could drag his body out of the Holy of Holies by the, by the rope attached to his ankle. You did not dare go to retrieve the, the priest's body or you would be dead as well. Now, just think about this for a moment. Imagine the tension that must have filled the air as the high priest walked into the tent. Imagine the relief when he returned alive. And this went on year after year after year after year because the sins of the people of Israel were only temporarily forgiven. But listen to this. When Jesus came to earth, all of this changed. His death on the cross created a new covenant with God's people. And Jesus became our high priest and he also became our blood sacrifice. And when that happened, God forever changed how we could approach him. For centuries, God's message was loud and clear to all the people, stand back. The architecture of the temple spoke that message very clearly. Gentiles were only allowed to go no further than the outer court. Women could not go past the inner court. Men could enter only as far as the inmost court. And after that, came the temple proper, and only the priests were allowed to enter into there. Then access was broken down by ranks of people. Only high priests and lesser priests could actually offer certain sacrifices. And all of that put together just screamed out to the Israelites over and over again, stand back. Imagine how the Israelites must have felt when they heard the powerful message from the writer of Hebrews In chapter 10, verse 19, let me read that again. The writer writes, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. And I want to stop there for a moment. The writer of Hebrews is saying something really powerful here. And before I read another word, I think we need to unpack that. Because he is saying Now we have complete access to God through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. The blood of Jesus removed the curtain that existed between God and humanity. You you may remember that at the very moment that Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross, Matthew tells us that the earth shook and rocks split. And a large curtain in the temple tore in two from top to bottom, symbolizing what we're actually talking about here. Because a once and for all perfect sacrifice was made, Christ's blood now cleanses our lives and our sins have been taken away. And now as a result of all of that, full access to God's presence is available to all. All are invited. And God invites all of us to draw near. Think about this. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the law excluded non-Jews and ordinary men and women from being able to draw near into the presence of God. And yet when Jesus came, God not only announced to the world that all were welcomed, but he also said all are valued. God invites all of us to draw near with confidence and full assurance knowing that he will receive us. Listen to this invitation again. 
Because of Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says this, let us draw near. Now again, I don't know, I don't want you to miss the significance of this moment. To the Jewish audience, this was an amazing statement. God had granted access through his son Jesus. Think of how many people you know today who are missing out on God's presence because they simply don't know it's available. So many people think that they still have to go through a priest to draw near into God's presence. So many others are fearful because they feel like God won't receive them or, or maybe he's not interested and so they never take that step. How many people feel ashamed or maybe they feel like they have to tiptoe into God's presence? Listen to what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Last week we talked about positioning our hearts to get ready to draw near to God. And James says this, he says, we need to come before the Lord submitted to God. We need to resist the devil. We need to be repenting of sin and we need to be walking humbly before the Lord. However, the writer of Hebrews tells us the kind of attitudes we need to have as we approach God's presence. What kind of attitudes is he talking about? Well, verse 22 lays it out. He says, let us draw near with a true heart. In other words, when we come into God's presence, we are to come with, with sincerity. We don't come with weak emotions. We don't half-step. We don't come with, with, with half-heartedness. We, we, we bring our whole hearts into his presence. And we come with a genuine desire to be truthful with him and to be truthful with ourselves. John chapter 4, verse 24, John writes, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit in truth. That means that God wants me to come with my whole heart and he wants me to bring the full truth and nothing but the truth. Now I know some of you may be watching and saying, yeah, Brian, I can't, I can't do this. I can't come before this holy God who used to kill priests with this sinfulness and shame that I feel all the time. I can't even bear the thought of bearing my soul before God with this type of transparency and, open, and openness. I love what David writes in Psalm chapter 51 and verse 17. He says this. He says, the sacrifice is pleasing to God is a broken spirit. He says, God, you will not despise a broken and humbled heart. Listen, I love that. God the Father will not deny a broken and humble heart. He's actually drawn towards our brokenness and our humility. When God sent his son Jesus into the world, he was God in the flesh. God God the Son showed the world what God the Father was like. He gave us insight into to what he actually despised, and he also showed us what touched his heart. Jesus the Son would, would get pretty hot under the collar towards the religious hypocrites of the day. He, would, he always had some sharp words for the prideful religious elite. However, he ne- never turned his back from a sincere, brokenhearted person that was, that was reaching out to them. He always sought them out, whether it was a prostitute or a person who was despised by society or a person shunned because of some kind of disease like leprosy or whether it was those who were seen as sinners by the cultures like like tax collectors. Whoever Jesus met, someone who came to him with a true heart, whenever, whenever Jesus met someone who came to him with a true heart, his heart was moved. That means it's okay to draw near to God with tears. That means it's okay to draw near to God with heavy emotions and burdens. It's okay to come dirty and messy. It's okay to come with your guilt and shame. It's okay to bring your addictions. It's okay to bring all of your fears and your faults and your hurts. 
because Jesus has already dealt with everything you're ashamed to discuss. Drawing near with a true heart also means that your heart's not divided between God and the world, but it's wholly dedicated to him. Here's what David said about this in Psalm chapter 51, verse 6. He said, God, behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. In other words, when we draw near to God with a sincere heart, God grants full access. It's direct and it's immediate always, and the door is always wide open. So let us draw near with a true heart. Then the writer says this. He says, draw near in full assurance of faith. Drawing near in full assurance of faith means that you are coming to God with a confident faith. The first readers of the book of Hebrews were struggling. They were struggling with their faith. They were struggling to draw near to the Lord in full assurance because their faith was wavering. And yet faith is actually a a prerequisite to draw near. But I love what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, that's a challenging verse to hear if your faith is wavering. Honestly, it's hard to stomach that the thought that God may deny us from drawing near to him because we're struggling with our faith. But here's the beauty of this whole thing. A full assurance of faith does not come from whatever we muster up inside of us. It it comes as a result of the sacrifice of Jesus and what he's already done for us. Hebrews describes him as the author and the finisher of our faith. That means that when your faith is anchored in the person and the ability and the finished work of Jesus, then we can draw near to God with confidence, with full assurance of faith. We can come boldly because this required faith doesn't depend on us. It depends on Jesus. He gives us the faith that we need and that faith is enough. Listen, when Jesus cried out from the cross that it was finished, he was announcing to the world that his sacrifice for your sins was sufficient once and for all. And then Hebrews chapter 10 verses one through two tells us that when Jesus sat down at the right hand of the father, he did so announcing to the world that no further sacrifice needed to be made. Listen, for hundreds and hundreds of years, the priests could never sit down in the tabernacle because their work was never finished. The sacrifices were were just temporary. No amount of blood would, would ever be enough. And can you think about that? Can you imagine how exhausting and discouraging that must have been? Not only for the priests, but, but also for, for, for all the people. I mean, no matter what we do, they thought, we cannot take away the guilt and shame of this sin. But when Jesus said it was finished, and when he sat down, the work was finally completed. The sacrifice of Jesus was enough. The blood of Jesus was sufficient. Nothing more needed to be added. Listen, when the foundation of our life and our faith is firmly anchored in Jesus, we can draw near to God with confidence and boldness because the finished work of Jesus validates our invitation to draw near. I love how this invitation reads in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Listen, this invitation promises that you will find everything that you need at the throne of grace. 
That means that when we're fearful of the future or maybe we're worried about tomorrow, we need to run into the presence of God because that's where we're going to find the mercy and grace that we need. That means that when life doesn't go our way or, or we're facing some huge trial, we don't have to pull away from God or we don't have to become indifferent to him. Instead, we can draw close to him. We can come close to him with confidence because there's mercy and grace in his presence. Right before Hebrews 4.16, the writer of Hebrews tells us that in Jesus, we have a, actually have a high priest that understands our weaknesses and has experienced all of the same trials and the testings that we're experiencing, but he faced them perfectly. Therefore, not only can we come before this high priest with confidence, but we can come with an assurance of faith, knowing that he understands everything that we go, we're going through. Not only has he been there, but he offers the right counsel and the right answers. Then the writer of Hebrews mentions two more attitudes of con, or conditions for drawing near to God. He says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He says, Let's, let us draw near with a clean conscience. Now here's the thing, we can only come to God with a true heart and with a full assurance of faith when our hearts have been sprinkled clean. The word sprinkle means to purge our hearts from an evil conscience. Now, there's something that happens in this verse that you cannot miss, all right? With our hearts sprinkled is written in the perfect tense in the Greek. You say, what does that mean? Well, it indicates a completed condition. That means that Jesus did it. He already accomplished it. That means that the guilt is gone. Because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we have, had, we have been acquitted of our sins. The word not guilty has been stamped over our past, our present, and our future. The guilt has been removed. If we were still guilty, we, st- we wouldn't be able to come into God's presence. Remember what happened. Remember what happened to the high priest when he came into the entrance of the Holy of Holies with unconfessed sin in his heart. Immediate death. But Jesus came as our high priest and our perfect sacrifice. And his shed blood not only cleansed us from, from sin and an evil conscience, but it gave us the freedom to stand in God's presence with confidence. Even if the, the guilty feelings remain, the actual illegal guilt is gone because in the body of the Son, God judged the sin that caused our guilt. And when that happened, Jesus became our scapegoat. All of our sins, all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future, were placed on Jesus. All the guilt and shame of sin was put upon him, and it was sent off never to return. That's why the Apostle Paul is able to write in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, I know sometimes we beat ourselves up with guilty feelings from our past because we do not realize the full extent of our cleansing. And then Satan loves to jump on those guilty feelings and just wear us out with shame. But as I said last week, we need to counter our feelings and those false lies with the truth of God's word. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every morning and throughout the day so that eventually we learn to live in the freedom that only belongs to us in Christ. Listen, it's time to start living up to our identity. God says, draw near. Because of Jesus, you belong to him. He's accepted you and he's cleansed you. You've been acquitted of all of your guilt and your sin. Your conscience is clean. You don't have to fear coming into his presence. 
I love what Psalm chapter 103 verse 10 says. It says, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Listen, that is such good news today. So not only has he given us a clean conscience, but the Bible also said he's given us a clean heart. Now the word washed is also in the, pre, in, in the perfect tense in the Greek. And that means that the requirement for a clean heart has already been met. It's a done deal. Before the high priest could enter into God's presence, he had to, to be sprinkled with blood and thoroughly wash clean. And listen, this repeated, this, they repeated this cleansing annually on the Day of Atonement. It just went on and on and on for year after year after year. And here we are today. We have direct and permanent access to God through Jesus because he has thoroughly cleansed us. Hebrews says that we've been washed with pure water. In other words, we have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. Too many people today think that they have to earn their way to heaven, that somehow they can earn their salvation. Somehow they have to, to, to prove that, that, that they're clean before they can ever walk into to God's presence, that they, somehow they have the power to clean themselves up. And the fact of the matter is it's just not possible. It's not in our power. It's only through the power of Jesus. That's what makes Christianity different from every other religion on earth. Every other religion, you have to earn your way into God's presence. You have to earn your way to salvation. Christianity is the only religion that says it's already been done. The work's already been finished. You can't earn a thing. It's only by placing your faith and your trust in the finished work of Jesus can you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to be in heaven one day. Listen, other people think that once we've been saved, it's now all up to us to keep ourselves clean and saved. Listen, the atoning work of Christ is so complete that it continues to cleanse us. I love what John writes in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. He says, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. He says, we're not pre- practicing the truth. And then he says, but if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John's saying, listen, the blood of Jesus doesn't just cleanse us once, it continues to cleanse us over and over and over again as we walk in the light of Christ. So the invitation has gone out, drawn near. I love the fact that God has said, all are invited all are valued. And because of Jesus, it's been made possible. And when you come, he promises grace and he promises mercy in your time of need. And my question for all of you this morning is this, what do you need from Jesus today? As you walk into God's presence and approach the throne of grace, what do you need from Jesus? Some of you today may be dealing with depression, Listen, you can come into the presence of God and you can speak the name of Jesus. Some of you may be just overwhelmed with discouragement. These past two years have just wiped you out. Maybe you've drawn away from God. Maybe you've pushed away from him a bit and you're not as close as you were in the past. Listen, God says, draw near. Draw, come into my my presence. Approach the throne of grace where you'll receive grace and mercy. He's saying, what do I say when I get there? Because I feel so much guilt and shame. Listen, it all starts with the name of Jesus. It all starts with recognizing that it's already been paid. You just need to confess your sins 
And the blood of Jesus has the power to keep cleansing you over and over and over again. You may feel lost this morning. You may feel in despair. You may be feeling desperate. God says, draw near. Jesus made the way. All are welcome. Everybody's invited. And when you come, all are valued. Today, you may have never put your faith and trust in Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior. I want you to know, as I said earlier, the debt of your sin has been paid. The blood of Jesus has washed your sin away. You may feel guilty. You may feel overwhelmed with sin. You may feel lost. God offers you forgiveness. He offers you new life. He offers to trade spiritual death for spiritual life. And today, maybe with your head bowed with a humble heart, you may just want to say right now, Lord, at this very moment, as I accept this invitation to draw near, Lord, I stand before your throne of grace with a humble heart, confessing, Lord, that I'm lost. Lord, I desperately need Jesus. And so, Lord, with this knowledge that he is sitting at your right hand, I put all my faith and my trust in him. What he did for me on the cross, Lord, not only opened up the way for me to come to stand in your presence, Lord, but it opened up the opportunity for me to be forgiven of sin, for me to be cleansed clean. Lord, for me to be forgiven not only of my past and my present, but to know that I will be forgiven in the future. And so, Lord, I say yes to your invitation right now. I put all my faith and all my trust in Jesus and I ask him right now to be my savior. With heads still bowed, if you're struggling at home and you know you're a Christ follower, but maybe you're identifying with maybe something I just said a little while ago. Maybe there's an emotional issue or a problem or a sin issue Or maybe there's just a staleness in your heart. There's some complacency. God offers you an opportunity to come back, to come back. And there's a promise there. There's a promise that he will not only meet you, but he'll offer the grace you need and even the mercy you need at your greatest time of need. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. With our heads still bowed, if there are those who are at home who have been away from you, Lord, the invitation stands to draw near. And Father, I pray as they stand before your throne of grace right now that they will find the grace, they will find the mercy that they're so desperately longing for. And they'll be able to walk in this day knowing who they are in Christ because of Christ, forgiven, accepted, adopted, cleansed and clean and Lord may we walk through this day and every day moving forward knowing how much we are loved not only by you but by so many others and may we approach every day with thanksgiving and gratitude for the finished work of Jesus Lord as we're in your presence right now Lord we just want to continue to speak out the name of Jesus and to thank him for everything that he's done for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for tuning in for today's message. If you want to dig deeper into what you just heard, consider checking out our Next Steps podcast. Every Monday, we'll have a practical conversation surrounding Sunday's message and talk through how we can apply it to our daily lives. 
Along the way, we're going to tackle other tough questions and topics that will help strengthen your walk with God. Whether you're new to the faith or you're a longtime follower of Christ, there's a next step to take in your own story. Just search for Westridge Church Next Steps Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or visit westridge.com backslash podcast slash podcast slash podcast.